Hello everyone, Alan Mishra here with another edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast for you. We always like to start with a quote, and this one is from Dr. James H. Austin, who happens to be a neurologist, and the quote is this, brains flourish when self-centeredness dissolves. Now that's paraphrasing him, but here it is again, brains flourish when self-centeredness dissolves. That's from Dr. James H. Austin. This week we're going to talk about Three things, like we typically do on the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. And you can find the references to all of this information on vitalityexplorers.substack.com and or sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for a free text message version of this. And here's the three topics. Number one, muscle smashes cancer. Number two, purpose powers our brain. And number three, a little bit more about the brain. And this one is blueberries enhance brain function. So let's start with that first one. And these, again, are uh, part of the Vitality Explorer News corpus of scientific information about how to enhance your vitality. We have over 350 posts on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. You can consider becoming a a paid member of that to gain access to all of those. And each one of them is based on peer-reviewed published data and they uh, include a variety of things about your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being. This first one is something that I think we are going to continue to explore and, and it's quite fascinating. It's the concept of how muscle smashes cancer. I encourage you to check this out online to see the, the details of it, but this is quite fascinating. And then sort of the idea of using exercise to help prevent and or treat cancer is, is really coming into its own. The, the first study we're going to look at is called Physical Exercise Restrains Cancer Progression Through Muscle-Derived Factors. Now, the, the idea that, that exercise helps cancer has been around, but the mechanisms by which this is, is you know, occurs is only now starting to become evident. And I want to start with an amazing sentence from that paper. And this is a quote. Epidemiologic studies have revealed that health-related lifestyle behaviors such as physical, high physical activity levels and healthy eating habits could prevent 40% of all cancer cases in the United States. So, unquote. Let's think, let's think about this. Let's pause for a second. 40% of all cancer cases in the United States are related to your lifestyle choices. Staggering. Absolutely staggering. Now, this information is rarely discussed in the media uh, or even in doctor's office. And cancer, cancer, as we know, can be absolutely nasty. It can be fatal. It can be uh, debilitating. And we have a chance to prevent up to 40% of cancers with diet and exercise. Why are we not embracing that opportunity? I want everyone to think about that for a second. We talk about high-end treatments for all these uh, uh, disorders uh, that are related to cancer. Lots and lots of very expensive treatments that are getting better, which is great. But why are we not talking about how to use exercise to prevent cancer? And it turns out, which is kind of cool as an orthopedic surgeon here, that cancer prevention may, may be related to your muscle. Now, we don't think of our muscle as an endocrine organ. An endocrine organ is typically something like your pituitary gland in your brain or your pancreas or your ovaries. Even the placenta can be considered a pituitary gland during pregnancy where it releases a variety of compounds or you know, proteins that affect your entire body. Um, and you know they release these substances that you know really change how we our entire 
systems work. But the new idea, the key new finding is that muscle acts in a similar manner to other or endocrine or organs like your pancreas. Uh, and that's especially true when you exercise. We've talked about this before on Vitality Explorer News, and these substances are called myokines, M-Y-O-K-I-N-E-S. And, and here's another quote from the paper. Quote, myokines do not only act locally within the muscle or the neighboring tissues, but also affect distant organs being the mediators of intertissue communication. Think about that for a second. They're the mediators. They talk between different types of tissue. The fact that muscle is that muscle can do this is flat out amazing, right? Um, it is also, if this is true, which it seems to be according to the data, it's our largest endocrine organ, and it is under, wait for it, voluntary control. Now, you are not, as far as I can tell or I know, and I'm, I don't, I'm not a real doctor, I'm just an orthopedic surgeon, but I don't think you can voluntarily control your pituitary gland, but you can voluntarily control your muscles. You decide when you're going to contract them. You decide when you're going to exercise. And when you do, they release powerful substances that can help prevent or control cancer. That's staggering, okay? This, this type of information is really, really important. Now, there's a graphic up on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. You can look at it when you run or you lift weights. Myokines are released. These muscle-secreted factors that get into the tumor areas, and they literally affect how the tumors are you know, behaving. So here's another long but important sentence from the, the paper. Quote, a single bout of exercise induces acute responses of physiologic systems and consequently accumulate accumulative bouts of exercise stimulate various systemic tissue and cellular adaptations, including enhanced tumor-resistant inflammatory and immune responses, hormonal and metabolic alterations, angiogenesis, DNA repair, methylation, and the expression of microRNAs, which fight against carcinogenesis, okay? Uh, um, by the way, you might hear my awesome dog, Tess, in the background, who is kind of doing some rolling around uh, and wants me to pet her. So I apologize if you hear a little bit of a, uh, a gorgeous Labrador in the background. But um, anyway, the, the idea here about muscle fighting cancer is the key. And the paper details many of the myokines and other molecules known as miRNAs, microRNAs, and exosomes that are released from exercise after you, you, know, you contract those muscles. So people are talking about injecting exosomes. People are talking about using uh, microRNAs for treatments. But guess what? They are in your muscle. And so when you work out, you are altering the skeletal muscle. The muscle that you use to lift weights or run or move is literally affecting how a cancer cell functions. Here's another quote. Quote, there's been an increasing body of research focus, focusing on the mechanistic interpretation of the anti-cancer effects of physical exercise and particularly the characterization of molecular mechanisms that, that link exercise to tumor prevention and treatment. Come on, everybody. This is awesome news, right? So the Vitality Explorer News analysis and recommendation is focused on this new idea that the paper coined this term of exercise oncology. Think about that. We are just at the beginning of understanding of why exercise can prevent or control cancer. We may see massive breakthroughs in the next in the coming years when exercise is added to existing cancer protocols. But exercising relentlessly should be part of anyone's vitality routine, especially if there's a personal or family history of cancer. Remember, our muscles are under our voluntary control. They release powerful substances that can help fight cancer, and we are in control of them. 
So this is so, so important. Remember, we can, we can maybe prevent 40% of all cancers with exercise and diet. So I think it's important to, to begin today, not tomorrow, today, to fight off future cancer by putting your muscles into action with some exercise. Uh, we will, again, keep really tight, tight view on this one because this is crucial information for anybody who has been touched by this terrible problem. So you can look at the references again on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. Please share this podcast with somebody who has cancer, somebody who is at risk for cancer, and help them get out and get some exercise in the context of whatever their doctor suggests. Uh, let's move on to a second one in the second half or two thirds of this podcast will be focused on our brains, not cancer, but our brains. And what's really kind of fascinating is the intersection of purpose and our brain connection. And this, this one is really fascinating because I do believe our purpose is the foundation of our personal and professional vitality. And several studies link you know, a sense of, of having purpose to a longer lifespan and less risk of chronic disease. But other ones have found like a greater sense of purpose to be specifically associated with slower rates of cognitive decline. Okay, that's important for anybody middle-aged or older. And a reduced risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So if you are retiring, retired, having a sense of purpose literally seems to be connected to having less risk of cognitive decline. Uh, now, this post is going to look at a complicated, this paper is very complicated, hard to read, but helps us confirm the value of purpose to improve your brain power. Before diving into the de details, I, I have you just think about what is your overall sense of purpose? Is it one being very low or five being very high? Just give yourself a, an internal suggestion of where you are on that, on that sense of overall well-being. Because this paper was entitled, Purpose in Life Promotes Resilience to Age-Related Brain Burden in Middle-Aged Adults. They looked at 624 adults aged 42 to 67. They were all healthy without clinical, this is important, they did not have clinical evidence of a brain disorder. So these are sort of middle-aged people who do not have um, brain dysfunction. And their sense of purpose was assessed using an online tool. And they were asked uh, the questions below. They had to rate themselves between one where you strongly disagree to five where you strongly agree. All right. The first one was, quote, I live life one day at a time and don't really think about the future. That's number one. Number two is I have a sense of direction and purpose in my life. Number three is I don't have a sense of what I'm uh, trying to accomplish in life. Uh, uh, next one was my, quote, my daily lives often seem trivial and unimportant. Next one is I enjoy making plans for the future and working towards uh, making them a reality. Uh, next one was some people wander aimlessly through life, but I am not one of them. And the last one is I sometimes feel as if I've done all there is to do in life. Now, of course, some of these are positive ones and some of them are negative ones, but they took all these um, uh, seven or eight questions, put them together, and then gave the participants a rating on their overall sense of a purpose, and then they divided them into a high sense of purpose and a low sense of purpose, and then gave them things like a functional MRI scan. And here are some of the primary conclusions of the study. And this is, again, fascinating, interesting scientific data that suggests that high purpose individuals had greater resilience to brain damage. I'll say that again high purpose individuals had greater resilience to brain damage. This was confirmed by those individuals had less impact on the white matter lesions on their executive brain function. And so here's another quote, white matter disease, this is a quote, 
is an umbrella term for damage to your brain's white matter caused by reduced blood flow to the tissue. It can cause issues with memory, balance, and mobility, unquote. You can see the reference on online. But so high-purpose individuals had less impact of white matter lesions. So we, we accumulate these white matter lesions in our brain, but the people at high purpose had less issues with memory, balance, and mobility. Second one, really important. High purpose individuals had brain, better brain connectivity. So the connections in the brain were found to be uh, higher in high purpose individuals compared to the low purpose individuals. And there's a pretty cool graphic on the Vitality Explorer new subject site that you can look at. The study further concluded that, quote, purpose is a relevant resilience factor for us to counteract the deleterious impact of brain aging and disease on cognitive functions. Wow. All right. Uh, the study was the first to show purposes associated with cognition in healthy middle-aged individuals. So there's different, they looked into the different explanatory models that could help understand why purpose is related to brain health. And here's a few of the proposals that they had in the paper. Uh, number one was purpose leads to healthier behaviors in which uh, that can lead to reduce the risk of a dementia. Number two was purpose has been associated with lower inflammatory markers such as IL-6, which can reduce the risk of brain disease. And the final one is purpose has been associated with lower co total cortisol levels. And cortisol, of course, is a powerful stress hormone, which in excess can cause brain or nerve damage. So purpose maybe helps you. If you have a sense of purpose, you're going to be better at engaging in healthy behaviors. You're going to potentially have lower inflammation markers and lower stress-related hormones in your body. But the overall analysis, the Vitality Explorer News analysis and recommendations are this particular evidence supporting purpose as a core compo component of vitality is just awesome, right? It's crucial. Similar to you know, contracting your muscles, uh, we are in charge of our purpose. We get to choose our purpose. It's your most important modifiable vitality asset because you control it. So pinpointing your peak purpose is really daunting. So I think it's invaluable to kind of just think about how to, to pinpoint your peak purpose, which we've talked about before on Vitality Explorer. Uh, and Vitality Explorer is a Vitality Explorer news. But here's some of my suggestions. Do not wait till tomorrow. Take a thousand seconds, which is about 17 minutes, and just contemplate your purpose. Think about your why for being on the planet. Expect that, that finding that purpose is going to be challenging. Embrace it, okay? And here are the first of three, seven, uh, three steps out of seven that I've had to pinpointing your peak purpose that I've used for my Stanford Vitality class and for myself. So here's number one. Reflect on your values and passions. Just think about what you believe in and what you are passionate about. What causes or issues are you interested in? And then, this is important, what activities give you a sense of fulfillment or joy? So number one, reflect on your values and passions. Number two, explore your strengths and skills. Just think about what you're good at. What do people say you're, you're, you're good at? What are your talents? What are your ability? And how can you use them to have a positive impact? So number two, explore your strengths and skills. Number three, get out of your comfort zone. And that is to take on new challenges and new things. And then you might even discover a new passion or a new talent that could be related to your peak purpose. There are seven other ones which you can see on these seven steps to pinpointing your peak purpose on the Vitality Explorer news um, substack site. You can also look at how say, sort of dark chocolate or a candy bar can boost your brain as well as other ones. Let's finish this week's Vitality Explorer news with the final one we have, which is blueberries enhance brain function. So we're kind of talking about how muscle 
can smash cancer. We've talked about how purpose is related to better brain function, but blueberries are awesome. All right. I love blueberries. I'm very lucky. I live in California and we get these amazing blueberries either um, from a variety of different sources, but I can just eat them by the handful. So I wanted to figure out, is that good for you or is that bad for you? And I'm delighted, delighted to tell you that, that the scientific data strongly supports eating blueberries to enhance brain function. And this is true for people of a variety of ages. So as young as seven, all the way up to people in their 80s. And here's, here's a conclusion from a meta-analysis paper. Quote, existing evidence concludes that berry-based supplements and foods that have beneficial effects on resting brain perfusion, cognitive function, memory performance, executive functioning, process, processing speed, and attention indices. Now let's take a deep dive into two specific studies so we can understand why eating some blueberries may be beneficial for our brain. So the first one is, uh, quote, blueberry supplementation in midlife for dementia risk reduction. All right, this study looked at uh, men and women age 50 to 65, and they happen to be a little um, either overweight um, or obese with a body mass index of 25 or higher. And that could, uh, they were also complaining of cognitive decline. So this is different than the previous study. These are people 50 to 65, maybe a little overweight, but they're also complaining of cognitive decline. And the participants were randomized to consuming either one package of blueberry powder or placebo powder for 12 weeks. And the powder was the equivalent of eating about a half a cup of blueberries. And then they me measured a variety of neuro neuropsychological and blood chemistry parameters. And here's what they found, really interesting. All right, and there's some fascinating findings. And the first one was subjective memory problems significantly decreased in the subjects that consumed the blueberry powder. And they have a graph there that by 12 weeks, it was a significant reduction compared to the placebo control. Other memory parameters, such as recall incursions, and I had to kind of look that up. What is a recall incursion? So it's recall of items that have not appeared on the target list. And they plummeted in, in the blueberry group. So this idea of trying to understand something that wasn't, you know, you memorize the list, but one of these, one of these items was not. So your, your, your brain works in a variety of different functions. And so they were trying to look at different parameters of function. But once again, the brain, uh, the people who consume the blueberries did better. And, and finally, and fasc fascinatingly, eating the blueberries had fasting insulin levels decrease significantly compared to the, um, to the, uh, to the control group. So the study concluded, quote, this study demonstrated that blueberry supplementation has neurocognitive benefit in middle-aged individuals with insulin resistance and elevated risk for future dementia. The second study was equally interesting, but this one was looking at, quote, the effects of acute wildberry supplementation on the cognition of seven to 10-year-old school children. So these are kids like in elementary school. And this was a double-blind study that evaluated um, them and e either gave them 15 or 30 gram freeze-dried wild blueberry drink or placebo for just three days. So maybe if your kids don't like blue blueberries, they wouldn't do it. But the subjects were given a variety of cognitive tests 75 minutes later, three, uh, and then three hours and six hours after drinking the blueberry supplement or placebo, the tests included things like memory, verbal memory, word recognition, response interference, response inhibition, and levels of processing. Um, but here's the, here's the bottom line. Subjects that drank that wild blueberry powder had better immediate recall at 75 minutes and better accuracy on cognitively demanding tasks at three hours. And the, oh, here's a quote from the study. Quote, the study also stated that 
importantly, across all measures, cognitive performance improved consistent with the dose response model. This means that subjects who consumed the higher dose, 30 grams of wild blueberry powder, had the best cognitive performance and, the, uh, uh, and, the, and the, the kids that had the placebo powder had the worst. And they had um, sort of two examples that I put up on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. And number one was that word recognition was better in the blueberry group. And the children that consumed the blueberry drinks also had a faster response time. So the final conclusions were that the blueberry powder uh, had better cognitive, or the, the kids that drank the blueberry powder drink had better cognitive improvements. So that's the snarky thing I was thinking about is this mean we should feed our kids blueberries on test days? And I think this, the data, at least this data, suggests that that might not be a terrible idea. Um, so if you're, maybe it's not even just for the kids, but if you're going to have a, you're going to take a test in any age, or you're going to have something that's important, having a little blueberries, about a half a cup, or the powdered equivalent supplement may be good for your brain. So eating some blueberries seems to be a no-brainer, um, unless, of course, you're allergic or there's other reasons why you shouldn't. And supplementing your diet may protect or even enhance your cognition. So I'd encourage you to try that or consider that. Um, I thank you for listening to the Vitality Explorer News podcast this week. Again, we've been talking about three different things. We've been talking about how muscle smashes cancer. We talked a little bit about how purpose powers our brain and how blueberries enhance our brain function. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave, leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, remember our quote for the week, brain, quote, brains flourish when self-centeredness dissolves. That's from James H. Austin. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening.